is time for Around the 412 with Smitty and Tyler. Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Be sure to follow us on all of our social medias at Around the 412. And while you're there, go check out our pinned tweet on X and check out the link in the description of each of these shows on YouTube and in the the listening platforms as well. We've got year six of Rocket Around the 412, where over the past five years, we've been able to raise over $25,000 to be able to provide children the christmas that smitty and i never had to worry about where it was coming from growing up so if you want to read about that mission go ahead and check that out um link is in the description and you can share the message as well that really helps us out and if you're able to donate please do as well as check out the everything custom design link that we have in the description as well we've got an etsy and a facebook link it's our friend Haley wagner if you want to help help support a small business in the local uh pittsburgh area be able to um, go to her and get some customized clothing. I mentioned it in the Steelers show. I'm going to mention it again. We have been promoting uh, trick-or-treat bags. It might be a little too too close to the date for Halloween for that because we don't know how soon. Some people don't do it before Halloween, but depending on what day it comes on. So it might be a little too late for that, but it is the holiday season, so we might be able to get you some some kitchen aprons as well uh, for, for Thanksgiving. And then we were talking about maybe you can get some stockings or maybe even some Christmas pajamas. We don't know what she can do, but if she does, so go reach out to her, check out her um, or her socials as well. Um, that's the Everything Custom Designs link. Again, that is an Etsy and a Facebook link. You're going to be able to get all of that except a hat. Santa hat, maybe. We don't know yet. TBD, but not a normal ball cap. Yeah. Yeah, not a not no, not one of these bad boys for sure. Um, but we're not here to talk about this hat says Steelers. We're not here to talk about Steelers. If you want to hear about the Steelers, go watch this week's show around the 412 Steelers show where we dive into a lot, including their matchup with the LA Rams coming up. But Tyler, we are in a much better mood as it comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins than we were last week. Last week, we only had the opener to talk about. They've played two games since then. By the way, this opening schedule sucks. Like, open up on a Tuesday. Don't play again till Friday. Then they go Friday, Saturday, back-to-back, and then, then wait till Wednesday to play again. Like, the, and then the they, they time... play Wednesday, and then they play. don't play again till Saturday, and then they don't play again till Tuesday. But then... Yeah. So, so we'll have only two games next week to talk about, but then the week after that, they have four games within the, the span that we're going to record about. So at least we get some more games to talk about in two weeks. But yeah, the, the opening schedule has not been uh, kind if you want to watch hockey, at least from it, a Penguins fan perspective. It's, it gets a little bit more normal, but like you look at it right now, there's a couple teams that have played four games and there's a couple teams that have played one. Like there's no rhyme yeah. or reason uh, to this. So, but uh, yeah. Capitals and Flames over the weekend. They get four points and 48 hours, which is always good. Um, let's start with the negative, though, because I feel like there's a lot of good to talk about here. But they still haven't gotten a goal from the bottom six, and they still haven't gotten a goal from the blue line. So how sustainable is it what they're doing right now or what they've done over these last two games when you're not getting any type of contributions from those guys? I mean, you're talking about relying entirely offensively from the top six, which we felt like was kind of going to be the case, I think that we thought maybe you'll get more from the blue line. Of course, we're just three games in, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, but how sustainable do you feel like what they've done through three games is? I, I, If they continued this way, I don't think it's necessarily sustainable. And that's kind of what we talked about this whole offseason, right, is where you're really putting a lot of stock into being able to win off of two lines. Um, I, I do think that you're going to start to see some more 
um, chip-ins, especially from the blue line, I feel like. At least when it comes to to offense in general, I feel like the blue line has been more involved because at least we've got some guys that have an assi- assist, or at least one. I know Marcus Pedersen, Ryan Graves, uh, Eric Carlson, I believe, all have one assist. Chris Letang has three. No goals yet, but at least I feel like they're they're driving more offense um, than, than what was be credited for because they haven't um, been able to light the lamp yet. The one that is still, at the same time, not surprising but still disappointing is the bottom six. You only have one guy. I'll take it even further, not even goals. You only have one guy that has a single point, and that's Lars Eller. And it came off of the first goal of the season on Brian Russ' goal. Outside of him, no nobody has a point through three games. And I understand that is such a small sample size. But you would at least like to see some people get some assists or even maybe some power play. Um, that is something that actually was improved over the weekend too. We saw some power play goals um, in, in, in the games two and three. So that was some nice. But you would have at least see like to see some sort of offense from the bottom six. You haven't really seen any. Like I said, Lars Eller, the only guy that has registered a point within that bottom six so far through three games. Small sample size, but I still think it's it's concerning. Um, but at the same time, it's what we talked about all offseason. You, even with the signings that you got, you're, you're, you're supposedly getting better defensively, but you're not necessarily getting better at the offense of side of the game when it comes to this bottom six. Uh, through three games, that, that seems to be still holding true. I would like to see a bigger sample size, see if that changes. Obviously, we're going to get that as the schedule gets uh, more evened out as we roll along. But I do think that the defensive side of the ball, or Paul, the defensive side uh, of the game has been better offensively than probably credited for, even though there hasn't been a goal. But I do think there's still a lot to be desired in that bottom six. Like I said, I, I, I can't say it enough. One guy has one point. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I. You said defense. Your mind's still on the uh, the Steelers show that we just recorded prior to this. Um, I I will say one thing that has stood out to me. Sullivan actually touched on this too. I wanted to talk about it, but now people are probably going to think, oh, I'm only bringing it up because of Sullivan saying it. But I had it on here. Chris Letang to me has, and it's just three games. I feel like he's taking on, and, and we expected this with the addition of Eric Carlson. He's looked more defensive minded than in past years i think that like he's playing in different situations they're using him on the penalty kill and i just feel like in his own end he seems more i'm not saying he wasn't like bought into that before but i think it's a bigger aspect of his game because they're putting more on him in his own end than ever before and i think he's taken to it so again it just goes along with we've talked about how crystal tang's game has aged now the transition to this where he's more of a defensive player and i'm not saying he's not going to do the same things he has offensively throughout his career but just being more sound in his own end too i'm really impressed by the way he's looked defensively through three games i i am too i i think that's a that's an improvement and that's something that a lot of people um a lot of unnamed people too that are going to criticize Latang uh they have for years and i think that with the addition and i wonder too if it's also not that just the addition of eric carlson but what about his partner ryan graves i mean it's a new pairing, something that's new mm-hmm. for the for for Chris himself. He's been with Brian Dumoulin for so long that I'm not saying necessarily that because of Ryan Graves he has to be more defensive, but I feel like that that could just be a change that that brings a new element to the game. Uh, I, I, that's that's something that he was so used to for so long and such so so stable for such a long time that this is just brand new for him. 
And I, I think that this is going to show that like Chris Atang is able to be defensive. He's not what people think of in uh, the, his own end, like where you see just an offensive defenseman and you, he has no defensive attributes. I feel like he is, he can be good in his own end. We've seen that through these few games. And I feel like we've seen that throughout his career too. I just don't think he's credited for it enough. I, I will say this too, and maybe this is the point you were trying to make with Ryan Graves, but it popped in my mind as you were talking too. It could just be like a feeling out process. Maybe he's not sure how he can, how much he can push it offensively with Ryan yeah. Graves as his partner yet. Um, you know, with Brian Dumlin, those two have played so much together, like, you know, for better or worse down the stretch, especially like maybe, you know, the results obviously turn into a mixed bag with him playing alongside of him. But at their best, you know, when things were really gelling, he knew what he could get away with with Brian Doolin on the back end. I don't think he has that trust yet with Ryan Graves to know what he's able to get away with in the offensive end. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that's probably more or less what I was trying to say. Like, he he hasn't played this, this guy a lot, and it's going to take a feeling out to to know how he's able to play and how he's able to feel most comfortable with him on the ice. Um, but I, I do think that that is a, a a good thing, too, as as uh, the Penguins are changing, especially on the blue line. Um, a lot of it is, has been more defensive. Um, so, And I, I feel like even Eric Carlson at times have looked more defensive than what I would have expected of him. I'm not saying he's he's been great. I, I still think that he's he's going to be probably one of the worst defensive defensemen, but at least from from the three game sample size, he's at least been not as bad in his own as as what I've the goal I the we goal is for him get. to like never be down there, right? You know, the goal yeah. is for him to always be either transitioning the puck up the ice or spending the time in his offensive zone. Pretty much, yeah. If if in, and if it if it, you have to be down there, hope Marcus Pedersen is in the perfect positioning. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, he uh, he was somebody that I thought was one of their uh, – he gave up that goal in the opener where he kind of got boxed out in front of the net. He wasn't very good. I thought he's bounced back nicely in the last couple of games. But, I mean, I feel like you could say that for, for most of the guys outside of the bottom six for the way they bounce back. And I will say this. I thought the third line at least was spending time in the offensive zone. I thought that they were – even at times early in that uh, – early in the was it in the, I don't, actually the games are kind of running together now there was a game where i thought they were even it was probably the capitals one where they were even creating some chances at one point uh it was because Lars Eller almost scored against the capitals um but the fourth line i mean they're just they're spending the entire shift with in their own end they're getting caved in they're not doing much of anything and i, I don't want to keep harping on it i'm not saying it's just one guy's fault but if you look back as recently as last season noel achari and Matt Nieto were both perfectly fine bottom six players where they were. All of a sudden they come here and they're not, they don't look iceable, that line playing with Jeff Carter. I, I think there's a common denominator here, and I think that it's at least worth testing out if replacing just him on that fourth line shakes something out. I mean, you have so many guys that are NHL capable, whether it's Vinny Hinostraza, Redeem Zahorna. Nylander, Sam Pol like you have so many bodies in the AHL that they brought in. Andreas Janssen, like they have so many guys that they signed. Mm -hmm. Colin White, like so many guys in the <laughs> AHL right now that are bottom six capable. Any one of them, bring up, put them on that fourth line with Achari and Matt Nieto and see if you can get any type of production from them. And that's the tough part, right? Is you're going to have to, or not even you are, Mike Sullivan is going to basically have to bite the bullet on that one. No, it's and, me. And, yeah, it's me. And, and and bench one of his guys. 
because uh, I feel like it's fairly fairly clear that Mike Sullivan has as Jeff Carter is one of his guys. And maybe I don't know if the contract that he has plays into that. Like I have no idea how much kind of kind of like whenever we were like saying like when Jack Johnson was here and in in the the refusal to not play him or to to not not play him uh, was was evident. It was like, well, the contract, they're going to have to play him. Like you, you, how do you play a guy, not play a guy that has that contract? I wonder how much that actually plays into a organization or a head coach's like idea of a lineup where like this guy is making this much money. And it's like, how do I not play this guy? Uh, but very clearly going even back to last year and in, into this year, the lines that he is on is just a black hole on the ice. There's just nothing going on. And, they can get hemmed in on their own end and they provide no offensive sustainability. I, I think that it would be a good idea because we have so many names, like you were, you were naming a few and you didn't even name all of them, but you named so many that could, could potentially yeah. take that spot just to see what you could get. And you could even like rotate guys. Like we'll, we'll play these, this guy a couple games, see what happens. If that doesn't work, we'll try someone else that you you, you have the ability to do that, but that's going to take, having Jeff Carter as a healthy scratch, I don't know if the Penguins have the guts to do it. Or, and I don't know if that's just a Mike Sullivan's uh, decision or if that's going to be a Kyle Dubas as well decision. Like When it comes to the lineup card, how are you going to get him off of it? Because I feel like for the better part of two years, he's needed to be off of the lineup card. But he hasn't been because I feel like name recognition and contract plays more into it than we probably think. Yeah, I mean, those, that's one of those things that's like hard to read into, right? It, it's hard to find a path to making any type of sense. Like, what does he bring to the table at this point? Um, you know, it's not like he's even situationally a good player. Like, he's a guy that you can count on to to kill penalties or, you know, late in a game. That's He's not that guy anymore. Um, it, I will say this. At least he's not playing center at this point. Yeah, They, they buried way. him as that fourth line right wing. But still, it's you're getting nothing when those guys are out on the ice. And again, looking at what the two players that he's playing with were able to do as recently as last year, you feel like there's a common denominator there. And I would be, I think it's worth exploring if that's the case. And you asked us about a sustainability. Yeah. I, you can survive as of right now, the way the team is operating with who's scoring the goals and such. But as soon as that top six starts to slow down, the bottom six has to start carrying their weight. And that line is not going to carry any weight with Jeff Carter on it. Right, you can't yeah, expect so, that top six to to be able to carry this team as much as they have for the better part of uh, uh, basically like all of last season and going into this season. You still can't expect that to happen, even if that is going to be the case. So if the the scoring is slowed down even a little bit, they need to have more accountability on that third and fourth line, the fourth line especially. And Jeff Carter is just really killing that opportunity. So if, if you want to have an ice your best team, I feel like he needs to be off of it. Yeah. I, and okay. So let's, let's make this a more positive conversation. Cause again, they did look, play really good over the last weekend. And um, I, I was really encouraged by that sixth period of hockey. They played within, you know, 48 hours being maybe their best period of the weekend, the way that they came to life in that third period against the flames. The one surprise to me within the top six, like everybody's scoring, right? Ricard Raquel just one assist no goals so far through three games he was a guy that I expected uh would light the lamp a ton 
Uh, and, and I still think he's going to be very good. I thought that line as a whole has looked very good. I'm very encouraged by the early returns of how Riley Smith and Evgeny Malkin have played together. Riley mm-hmm. Smith looks awesome. I mean, we talked about maybe it being uh, a slight upgrade from Jason Zucker, even taking in consideration what Zucker was able to do last season. Love Jason Zucker. This isn't like, you know, crapping on him. It's just speaking highly of Riley Smith. But man, he could have like five goals this year. I thought he's been awesome. Yeah, I think Riley Smith has been done really well. And I don't want to harp on Raquel too much just because of what we've been saying. Like the sample size is so small, it's only three games in. But you would have liked to have seen him at least chip in a little bit more. And his line mates are producing. You know, that, so like that's that's the thing. Yeah. Is is Riley Smith has a couple goals. Malkin has, has six points so far. Um he's he's leading the team. So the it's it's it, it, what's that? <laughs> he said he said uh he was asked about leading uh, being tied with Matthews for the lead leading points. And he said, yeah, end the season. So he could be the lead leader. <laughs> end the season. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it's, it's been good. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to complain about Raquel too much. Uh, but I, th- I think that the top six look really good. And I think that, like you said, that, that last period against the flames is one that I felt like was really important because you went into it trailing. You, you went into it and you mm-hmm. basically reversed what his, you Uno reverse card, the Calgary Flames of what you have done so many times in the past calendar year where you're going into the third period with a lead and you blow it and the team ends up coming back. The, the, the Penguins Uno reverse card, the Calgary Flames and did what they have done so many times. So to be able to see that and them to, to have that offense late in the game, to have that, that tenacity to not give up on the, the game, because that's something that I felt like the Penguins of the old, um did like penguins of those cup runs and even like 2017 18 where we didn't win the cup like that's something that you knew was going to be happening was no matter what time of time of the game they're going to be fighting and and they're 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 going to be competing at the highest level they can be that's something that you didn't see in the opener but you did see this weekend so that was really encouraging uh and despite uh winning four nothing against the caps how how good that feels I feel like the the Calgary game was more impressive because it was a comeback victory late in the game. Yeah, I mean, I I can't disagree with you there. That's why I say I was most impressed by it. You know, the oldest team in the league playing their best period of hockey, their sixth period, again, you know, playing in the second half of a back-to-back was very impressive to me. Um, I also want to say, and, and this might just sound stupid because it's like, I feel like I'm really, really being a fanboy at this point, but like watching Eric Carlson play hockey, like it just, he just moves different. You know what I mean? Like the puck just looks so, he looks like he has it on a string at all times. The way that he mm-hmm. moves, just watching him quarterback the power play, which we could have a whole conversation about that. By the way, they did score multiple power play goals. I said on uh, last week's show, that was something I wanted to see over the weekend. So shout out to them for fulfilling that. But like, you feel like that is going to be the most improved part of this team this year is that power play just because of one guy's addition, him being that guy. And after the opener, it seems like they've found that right spot for him. There was, that was much talk about that. Like, why does it look like he's playing in like in a trigger man spot? He should be playing that wall kind of quarterbacking the thing and, and looking to be, uh, the the guy feeding everybody else from it, which they got him into that position for the second and third games here over the weekend. But just watching him play through three games has been a treat. I, it just it goes back to I don't know how good this team is going to be per se, but man, they're going to be a lot more fun to watch. That's for sure. I agree with you. They are going to be more fun to watch. I mean, Eric Carlson is very impressive. Uh, it's, like offensively, he is. 
Like, like we thought, like, think about how good Chris Letang has been offensively. And I still think Eric Carlson, just from an offensive skill set standpoint, is just like he makes it look even easier than Letang ever has. And and that's that's hard to fathom because we've we've been able to see what Letang has done in his career. And I'm not, this isn't me trying to like dog Letang or anything like that, but just really praising Eric Carlson for the type of player that he is. Obviously, like he's going to have his defensive struggles, but offensively, this dude is a stud. I mean, he scored 101 points last year. That's completely obvious. And the fact that like it's really setting in now that like he is a Penguin, even in game one, I don't know if it necessarily set in, but now that we're actually winning games and scoring power play goals, that's what's really setting it in is that 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 he is quarterbacking the power play in the position that we wanted him to. So maybe they listen to the podcast. Maybe Mike Sullivan missed the or, or there you go. They, they listen because we told him to get on get him off that that wall and go up to the point really really quarterback that thing. But to be able to see that and to have the power play actually have success at the rate they were this weekend, it was a pleasant sight for, for eyes. So I think that, that he has been such a welcomed addition to this team. And like you're saying, like, obviously we have no idea how good this team is end up going to end up being. We don't know if they're going to make the playoffs or not, but at least Eric Carlson is going to be something fun to watch for the other 78 games that we have this season. Yeah. I mean, clearly a priority for them um, other than just improving the, the power play was their transition game. When you get a guy like Riley Smith, who's so good in transition, and then get a guy like Eric Carlson who can transition the puck up the ice out of your own zone, I think, you know, again, we're just three games into this thing, but those two have both looked very good in the roles that they were brought in to do. Um, so really excited about the, the ret- early returns on investment there. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's not our own thing. It's, you know, it's an ESPN poll, basically. Uh, or ranking, whatever you want to call it. Yet again, Evgeny Malkin has been left off of a top 100. ESPN's ranking (laughs) of players going into the 2023-2024 season. Gino not even part of it, and Sid comes in at number 23, one spot behind uh, Carolina Hurricanes player Sebastian Ajo, also behind Tim Stutzel in Ottawa, who's, they're both very good players, but come on now. Um, Again, don't want to spend too much time on this, but I thought it was worthwhile to bring up this is just an age thing, right? I mean, for both of these guys, like, I mean, Gino's been disrespected basically his entire career, and I'm sure it has a lot to do with him be- being second fiddle to Sid basically his entire career. Um, but like, I-, I, what else could this possibly be? I mean, you look at both these guys still point per game players. I, it- it's hard to even wrap my mind around this being the case. I think this one has to be an age thing because. If you just looked at what they did last season, I don't know how both of them aren't top 100 mm-hmm. players because I mean obviously Sid is in that list, but like how is Gino not in the top 100 players in the NHL? He's still a point per game player at at 37 years old. Um and then look at how he started the season this year too. And then Sid being as I mean, it's fine like as low as he is at 23, I I still think like I can probably na- maybe like you could tell me like I can name 10 players or maybe even 15 players that are overall maybe better than Sid, or if you if you want to convince me of that, I would at least listen to it. But like, I don't think that you could name 20 players to me that that I would say like, yeah, they're better than Sid. Like, I would rank them higher than Sid. And then I can't name 100 players that I would say are better than Gino. I'm sorry. Like, is he is he 101? Like that that list uh, several <laughs> years ago, he was Mr. 101. 
with with the, with the NHL 100. So mm-hmm. I I just think it's a joke, and and this is another reason why ESPN to me isn't going to be really taking be taking hockey that seriously because when I look at this list and maybe I'm just being a biased fan, but I just don't know how valid it is whenever you have those two in the positions that they are with Sid being at 23 and then Gino not even being on the list. Again, very, very hard to fathom the idea of him not being within the, I mean, where, where would uh, try trying to take, you know, the blinders off the hometown bias that we have. I feel like we do a pretty good job at that. About what range do you think that Gino is in at this point in his career in terms of current players in the NHL? I mean, I, I would be shocked uh, I, like if he was, if this was a valid list, I think that he would probably be within the, mm, like the 70, 80 range, like seventies to eighties, like, cause there's a lot of good players. And especially sure. when you, when you not only include forwards, but you're including defensemen and you're including goalies. Like you, mm-hmm. you have to look at it at the game as a whole. Um, and I said, whenever the, the list came out, um, several years ago, the NHL top 100 that I said that not only is Gino a top 100 player, he's a top like 40 to 50 player ever. And he's a top 15 to 20 center of all time. Mm-hmm. But this isn't the case. This is just a 2023 ranking. So when I got to look at that, I would say probably like somewhere in like the 70 range for me. Here- yeah, here's the thing for me, and this is, of course, going back to last season, but you know that's obviously the most recent full season we have to look at here. There were 28 players in the NHL that were point-per-game players. He was one of them. That's, of course, not including, like obviously, defensemen that are really good defensively aren't going to be in there. Also, goaltenders aren't going to be in there. So, yeah, I mean, if you're talking, that to me would be like the floor of where I would say, I think you can start having the conversation anywhere within like the 40 to 50 range. I would yep. have him probably within that, like that 50 ish um, at this point. But like to me, he's still like a tier, you know, a tier three ish center. Yeah. Like, I mean, maybe I, I'm overvaluing how many good players there are on the NHL. Like in my it's, head, it's I'm, tough because I'm thinking yeah, about how offensive the, the like how how skilled the league is now, how offensive mm-hmm. it is. I I just maybe I'm 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 putting Gino too low because of my bias towards the game, not necessarily my bias towards Gino himself. Like I feel like there's just a lot a lot more talent than there was in in, in the NHL. So maybe he should be higher than what I uh, what I said, and he probably should be. Um, but he definitely needs to be on the list that that's that's the main thing and it's just completely dumb that he's not and the list is invalid because of it yeah i mean it's you know the four-letter network talking about hockey the the only it was number one they, by the way was it mcdavid i'm assuming it wasn't mcdavid yeah i mean i would have to yeah connor bedard was like 88 or something like that yeah um which i don't how do you feel about that one that's it's all based off hype right i mean he's played what two games three games at most right now um, i think they're actually one of the ones that played four i think they're but oh, they, not the, they played yeah. four but yeah. but still like in that sa- sample size like you have no idea how good the player is going to be so that's that's strictly based off of his name how what he was of a prospect and his height hype um mm-hmm. what i'm really curious is how how they rank like defensemen? Like where is I mean, Car? Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly was on here at number ninety nine. 
Yeah, that's bad. I mean, if you not no disrespect to like Ryan O'Reilly, but if you're gonna have Ryan O'Reilly, but you're not gonna have Malkin. Jacob. Although Trump. I wonder, I wonder who's making this list because I know there was a lot of people who, and, and basically when I say when I'm who's making this list, I am wondering if they are uh, Canadian because I, there is a lot of people mm-hmm. that whenever that NHL 100 came out back in like 2017 or whenever it was, um, that said they thought that Gina was left off the list because he's Russian. And there was a lot of Canadian people voting. Jake on Gensel's it. on there's the gonna list. There's going to be a bias. There's going to be a bias. Jake Gensel's on the list. 71. Yeah, if you're going to... If you're going to have Jake on there, you got to have Gino on there. Because I would still say Gino's the better player. Who were you asking about? Kale Crystal McCarr. Tanks, I would... Crystal Tank's 56. Where's Kale McCarr? I, I'm wondering how they uh, value defensemen. He's got to be. Let me see. I'm just cur- curious of the list in general because obviously, like McDavid being number one, that's not surprising. But I wonder how high, like, what's their highest? Kale McCarr's two, two. Okay. McDavid. Let's just go through the top ten. All right. McDavid, McCarr, McKinnon, Jack Hughes, Thor, Austin Matthews, Leon Drysital, Miko Rantanen, seven, Nikita Kucherov, Jack Eichel, David Pasternak. Miko Rantanen mm-hmm. ahead of a couple of those guys is interesting. Um, man, Cal McCart too. I was actually surprised by that. I and not because I don't think he's deserving of that. I think that's. I honestly think that's fine. But I think maybe the most overrated here are Temi Panarin at thirty-two. At this point in his career, yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, maybe, maybe if this is, this was like a couple years ago, like his first year on the Rangers or second year, whenever his really good year was. Last Penguin also, I should mention, Eric Carlson is on here, uh, 41. So the Penguins have some dudes on here. They just don't just have... not Gino. They have four guys in them. Yeah. It's surprising to me that they have Jake and not Gino. Mm-hmm. I would have made this probably Canadian. <laughs> I'm, I'm cut. Yeah, I mean, like, I'll say even uh, we we love Chris Letang, but I'm surprised that he's on here if Gino isn't. Like, if you were to tell me, here's the pen, here's the top 100 list for the NHL, Gino's not on here for sure. But that's all you're telling me about it, Penguins wise. How many pens do you think are on here? I would say Sidney Crosby and Eric Carlson. Yeah, yeah, I have a hard time envisioning anybody else over Gino on the team. That's crazy. But here we are again. I said we weren't going to spend too much time on it, and then we dove into it. So went back on my word. I do that often. If you guys watch the show enough, you who's the highest goalie? That. Last part of what I'm curious who the highest goalie is. I'm assuming yeah, it's Shesterkin or uh, Vasilevsky. Who's your guess? I'm, my guess is Vasilevsky, actually. What if I told you it was neither? Is it Ilya Sorokin? No. Is it Connor Hellebuck? Yeah. Really? Okay, so, so I lied. Uh, listen, I like Hellebuck, but that might actually be... The most over it? How high is he? Over 14. Yeah, no. I <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one, he's the first goalie, but that high? Nah. 
Uh, yeah, I missed that totally when I went through this the first time. I mean, I'm I would take Vasilevsky over him. Are they already uh, incorporating the the injury? I guess so. I I don't know. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else? Nope. Like I said, we only have the two games to talk about uh, next yeah. week when we record. Um, the, the Penguins are going to be taking on the St. Louis Blues the day that this comes out, actually. So you might be listening to this after the Penguins have played the Blues. Um, they have the Red Wings first. Or the, no, they have the, the Red Blues Wings. Blues is Saturday. Right. Yeah. Blues are Saturday. The Red Wings are yeah. tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this. Or it was yesterday. Um, but this is going to come out the day that they are playing the Red Wings. They play the Blues on Saturday. Um, we'll be recording on Monday next week because the Penguins play the Dallas Stars on Tuesday. So only two games to talk about next week, but then after that, we'll have four games to talk about and we'll be right in the thick of it. That's what we want. Yeah, we'll have a little bit more structure, um, like normal structure for the NHL season here. These first uh, like couple weeks are always, I feel like, weird. I mean, look at like the Blackhawks, Connor Bedard playing his first six games on the road before he plays a home game. Like the scheduling is just really odd to open the season. So, um, but as Tyler mentioned at the beginning of the show, be sure to check out Rock Around the 412. We are in year six of our yearly Christmas mission. First five years of doing so, we've raised over $25,000. Every single penny that you guys donate goes directly to providing Christmas for kids in the 724 and 412 area codes. Tyler and I never had to worry about where Christmas was coming from. So we started a Christmas mission kind of to provide that same type of thing. Um, you know, at least for one day to bring some normalcy into these children's lives and give them the Christmas that they deserve. We also get a $100 gift card for the families so they provide a holiday meal. Again, just trying to make it as normal as possible for the holiday season for these families that are in different circumstances than Tyler and I ever had to worry about growing up. So donate to the cause. The GoFundMe link is in the description. The full mission will be right there as well. If you do donate, you'll be eligible to win some prizes. So far, we know we're going to be giving away Penguin tickets an Eric Carlson jersey and a Joey Porter Jr. jersey. There will be more stuff added as time goes on. And also, as of last year, this year, every year going forward, we're going to continue to partner up with the East Rochester Salvation Army, their angel tree that they do every year at Christmas in the name of our late friend Dalton Keene, along with his girlfriend Kaylee, their daughter Isla. Last year, we started doing this. We adopted 15 children off that angel tree, so we're going to continue doing it going forward. Kaylee's already got five kids uh, accounted for thanks to people that she's gotten to donate. So huge shout out to her. She's been awesome. Um, and I can't, you know, I can't stress this enough, how how tough the holiday season can be for people in Kaylee's circumstances. And that this whole Christmas mission is really centered around that and those types of families and people that are out there and providing them with a Christmas uh, that they deserve to have in very tough circumstances. So do that. And also our friend Haley Wagner, everything custom designs, the links to her Facebook and Etsy will be down below. Get a custom shirt, hoodie, whether it's long sleeve, short sleeve, she can do it. She can do a lot of different things. What she can't do is hats. So message her and ask her if she can do do a hat for you. Uh, Send me a screenshot and I will give you a shout out on the show if you do that. So uh, be sure to do that and bother her. Um, But other than that, I think that wraps it up. Go check out another video, which should be popping up on your screen here as we wrap up this show. For Tyler, for Smitty, this has been the Around the 412 Penguin Show, and we'll see you guys next time.